river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 59. Alright. So Morpheus when, is fighting when Neo! When last we left you, Morpheus was fighting Neo. <laughs> uh, so you are at the Rushlight Tournament. Yes. Um, Having literally just pitched my tent. <laughs> um, you have agreed to duel Castruccio Irvetti. In a, um, you you would be familiar with the style as basically an honor duel. You are fighting each other to prove some particular point. Yeah. Only in this case, the, it, it's not kind of honor just is on the line. It's kind of just who's best. Yeah. And really, you, that's who's best at sword dueling. We're not you, really trying to suggest that makes uh, this is going to be the who's the better man. You, you would call it a friendly battle, except that you couldn't really call Iravetti anything. Yeah, yeah. Iravetti is not friendly. Iravetti not only isn't my friend; I don't think he has friends. But I have to say, Kellen feels friendlier to him because he was prepared to have an awesome duel. And you said I was getting rumours, so I should probably find my rumour sheet while you're looking them up. So, specifically, um, I wanted a scene with the Queen of Forgotten Time. Oh, yes. Um, which actually... Um, we could do in retrospect, but now is actually pretty much as good a time as any. Well, that's fine, because, you know, yeah. I, I've got, like, half an hour after the Iravetti leaves to yeah. get myself ready and stuff. What we'll do, actually, is boost that out a little and say you've got an hour until your duel with Iravetti. It sounds fine. Uh, which will also give plenty of time for rumour to spread, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Kaelin's totally okay with this making the tournament a bit more awesome. Yeah, it's not like you have a lot to do to prepare for it. Yeah. Get your sword, go out and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... You've Ke- already Kaelin, got your full plate on. Yeah, Kaelin is wearing his full plate and carry and wearing his sword. You're he not literally sure has to walk outside. You're not sure if everybody's full plate actually comes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... You... You dismiss... You dismiss the Clockwork King. 
He goes wandering off. That's so not... Um, I bid him a polite farewell, with the understanding that we'll meet in the hour. I don't dismiss him. <laughs> but the yes. Clockwork King leaves your presence is probably closer to the truth. Yes, that's, that sounds less less worrying. <laughs> He's no threat. Well, see, one thing about Aravetti is Kalen always treats him with as much respect as he got available. Unlike certain Grolthons yeah. and Pytech, and uh, unlike certain Grolthons, he um, definitely doesn't underestimate the man. Whether Iravetti treats Kale with respect is pretty up for debate. He certainly doesn't insult or belittle you, but... Um... I feel like Iravetti tr- treats me with all the respect he's capable of dealing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably a fair statement. In the, in the scene, he's not exactly like Corwin, but I don't think... I think like Corwin, this is, this is as high as he can go. And... He leaves your presence, you basically, you know, check over your sword, check yeah. it's all oiled and good to go. Yeah. You know, full plate's good. You've got a few... See and Leon who'll be around yeah. to let, to let my people yeah. know that this is happening and they shouldn't freak out when I start attacking Aravethi. The yeah. point rumour immediately spreads. When you go to find Leon, yeah. you, you stick your head out into the tent and he's not where he's supposed to be. You stick your head out of the little meeting room you're in, you stick your head out of the Royal Pavilion, and Leon is sprinting off down there, and you see him 30 metres away, talking to one of his fellow page boys very animatedly, and he's waving his hands in the air and making chop, chop, chop de- gestures, and then puts the, the mask over <laughs> his face, and points out to the field where you're supposed to be going, and the page boy runs off. Never mind. <laughs> Tell him ducks back into the tent. And we'll, in the absence of anything else, be doing some, like, warming up Obvious exercises. <laughs> it just doesn't get old. Um, we'll be doing some limbering up exercises. And when you are doing that, um, you... Actually do this differently now. You hear a voice that feel, that sounds like it is somebody standing just behind you. Uh, her, her, her Queen of Forgotten Times voice, of course. Kaelin. No, in fact, it no longer sounds far away. It literally sounds like she is standing in the tent just behind you. Kaelin, may I speak with you? Uh, yes, Kaelin, um, brushes himself down, glances around. Um, you know I've only got an hour, right? This should not take over long. She simply appears in the tent behind you as if she is appearing from outside of invisibility. She notably doesn't walk in. Um... And despite the fact that you are now having a, a normal uh, volume conversation with a woman who wasn't in the room a moment ago, neither of your guards poke their head in at all. Yeah. As if they just can't hear it, or they find nothing unexpected or unusual about this. Yeah. Um, which you assume is more about her than them. Yeah. Um, yeah. She... Let's see. I have sensed what is passing here. You... Asked Jewel the Clockwork King. I. Um, it's... There's something about... I think there's something going on about the swords. Yeah. Get, um, unless you're endeavouring... Unless you're endeavouring to conceal that from her, it shouldn't come as a shock that she knows. No, no, I'm, I mean... Okay, I'm, I'm wearing my... I'm wearing my amulet, yes, thus yes. I assume she knows what's passing. Yeah. It's the... This, this is public business. Yeah. Um, the, um... He's... He's got a sword with Oberon's mark, and I've got this one, of course. I don't know, and I know he's got some interest in in, the, in this sword. You should be very careful. The thing that once called itself Castruccio Rivetti 
Now a clockwork king cannot be trusted. It has no heart. I will be careful. I, I can promise you I have never trusted him. He means you and yours harm. That's good to know. I... I have never been entirely sure what his intentions are, but it wouldn't surprise me to learn they're not good. And he is not the only one. Goody Nisker is... Goody Nisker is here. Not at this tournament. She shrugs slightly insofar as you or I are aware. But her presence is... Her presence is here. I... She's got some influence working at the tournament then. That does seem like the sort of place she try and slink in. Discord between kingdoms, bringing about war instead of peace. It is what she and her hag lady stand for. And once again you see that thing on her face that it's as close as you've seen her come to uncontrolled fury, which means she looks mildly upset. Garona is everything, Garona is everything I am not. Where I champion peace, she brings only hatred, pain, and war. And again, she looks mildly angry about this. <laughs> again, um, you've taken this impression she can't get any angrier about it. I she um, stands in opposition to all dead eye, but I can see she's very opposed to the things that you stand for as well. I have to confess, um, bad as Garona is, and wholeheartedly as I oppose her, it's kind of personal between Nisker and me. It's not just who she worships that I have a problem with. But I, I, I can readily believe she's working to bring me harm here. And I, believe me, I, I will be on my guard as best I can. You are beset by enemies on all sides. And so I am here to make you an offer to lighten a burden upon your heart. I speak on? Your children. Kaelin's fists clench. Micah and Brandon. She notably only calls out the two of them. Yeah. Demias. They are in. They are in danger. It is no specific threat I come to warn you of, but the Clockwork King means them harm. Surely Goody Niska does as well. And I know that in Garona's service there are dark fae the sort that would sneak into a bedroom in the night. You have heard of changelings? Aye. And Gairona is not good for children. No. Yeah, there's that aspect. She's actually talking about a slightly different aspect, but there's that as well. The, the, the young... As, as far as Tristan's aware, they'd, they'd have to actually take your children and do that. It'd certainly not be just going and put the amulet of demon possession on them and yeah. we're done. On the other hand, from what she's saying, the changeling... I mean, changelings isn't something you do with complicated ritual. You just get in and do it. Yeah, well, the changeling concept is the fae comes into your bedroom the night, removes the child, puts a thing back that is 99% like your child, yeah. and then leaves again and just leaves it to grow and develop. Yeah. In all the wrong ways. I, I've, I've heard tell of changelings. I hadn't thought of that specific thing, but I can certainly see it as a threat. You can protect the children from this? Not here, in your world, but in mine. In my house of forgotten time. It is a place 
where I still have great power, well beyond the reach of any of the meddlers of this world. If you would wish it, I can take your children from you. Keep them safe. Are you thinking just for this tournament? Or... She thinks about this. I can, cer- I can certainly perform that task, or take them at any time, but I was thinking more permanently. Ah. Oh. Until they reach an age of safety, the majority. I can promise you that they would have a life of peace. Aye. Oh. I am aware that this is not what the outcome you would desire. No, that's a poor way of phrasing it. I am aware this is not the relationship you would desire to have with your children. But what is more important, you being with them or their safety? It's important that they be safe, but it's a hard thing for them to be apart from us for that long. I don't think that's something that we could sustain. She doesn't look tremendously surprised by this. She sort of nods, nods like this. If you wish to keep them safe for the duration of the tournament, I certainly have the power to do that. I have become... More than what I was. I... And yet not all, and yet not all of what I was. I am Narissa now. And you, because you speak Sylvan, uh, she clearly addresses her as a proper noun, i.e. that's her name, but it actually has a meaning in Sylvan as well. It is something in the neighbourhood of that which remains. Uh-huh. A far more colloquial version would be leftover. Ouch. <laughs> I see. And given that you um, presume that she is Titania, Nerissa would be what is left over from Titania after blah. I would not see you... I cannot imagine... A father like you would ward your children with one whose name you did not even know. I know that you have your own purposes that don't always match with mine, but I trust you to be who you are and do what you'll say you'll do. I trust your integrity even if I don't always understand what you're doing and why. Nor would I really expect to. You're a bit beyond my ken. I'll talk it over with Bryn quickly, but I think um, that might be a good move to keep them safe here. There's a lot more... There's a lot more peril here than where we're accustomed to having them. You may you may do so. I will be here when you need me. I also 
have a second offer for you, not although not perhaps so immediate. If you find Gurineska again, I can keep her from returning through Garona's grasp. The House of Forgotten Time is far away from everyone's reach. I, if you can provide her with Niska's body, she can stop her getting rezzed again. <laughs> or, if you can provide her with something that they would use to res Niska. I, that is a generous offer, and I think very likely if we have that opportunity, I will take you up on that. But of course she has no expectation you're going to walk out of the head and find yeah. Niska standing there going, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I think Niska's um, got the sense to realise she's um, much, much better equipped to not stand within my arm's reach. And I will, given that I have a little bit of time... Yep. Go find Bryn, Tristram, and uh, Kayla, yep. and um, haul them in for a quick conference. Yep. So you have them. Yep. Um, I spoke with um, I spoke with the lady. She's concerned someone may target the children, specifically Uraveti or Niska. Kayla blinks a couple of times at this, then nods. I do not know about the Clockwork King, but it would certainly fit right up Goody Niska's alley. Um, she has offered to take the children, to take Brent, Brandon Micah to the House of Forgotten Time. She spoke of changelings as something that Gyrona has in train. Tristan winces slightly. Ooh. If they're fae that serve Gairona, they would be bloody and terrible things. Ilk of redcaps and rawhides. I... She suggested we send the children away for a longer time. That's not something I'm prepared to think about. (laughs) Yeah, love, I knew you wouldn't go for it. But I wonder if it is worth sending them with her for this tournament. We've got a lot to concentrate on here, a lot of threats and politics. And it might be worth it just to be sure they're safe. No! No one takes outcomes. No one. It is not her. But... I have been alone in dark woods without family. I will not do that to my own. Uh, well, technically, the House of Forgotten Time isn't Dark Woods. Bryn growls at and But that's really not the point here at all, of course. Back stuff again. shakes his head at him and makes the throat slitting gesture. Fair enough, love. I can't say the idea heartens me any. Well then, Tristram, you are not going to be needed for the next little... Your um events are all later on. Um... I'd ask you, and I've no doubt you've brought books to this little shindig. Um, we need something we can do to protect, to guard against chain, changelings. I know it's the sort of thing that country folk have traditions about. Cold iron over the cribs, that kind of thing. Certain herbs, hedge, ward, hedge wards, yes, yes. It can all be done, if not enough to protect them directly, at least enough that we should certainly either sense a loud alarm or hear something. Of course, an alarm. 
yes, yes, I can, I can work with this. It's literally one of the spells he knows. Sweet. He can cast alarm on the crib and Tristan gets an immediate mental ping when someone crosses over it. Yeah. Which goes off independently of whether they're actually invisible or not. So we'll have the, um, we'll have guards on them, um, with the, but my concern is the Fae tend to be pretty good at getting round guards. Yeah. With this, they'll, um, struggle, they'll struggle to get get past, and there'll be someone um, large and burly who can make them sorry with an arm's reach at all times. So Tristan will start burbling through a bunch of options. Basically, actually telling a changeling from a um, child is quite difficult, Yeah. and the longer the substitution goes, the harder it gets, because the less basis of comparison you have. Yeah. But actually preventing it in the first place isn't all that hard. If you're talking about something ridiculously malevolent, then the best he can do is ensure you know it's happening yeah. rather than prevent it. But also, um, based on him and Michaela's understanding, it's exceedingly unlikely that Guy Rona would be able to intervene directly or send a herald or anything in that neighborhood because that would immediately pretty much bring about the wrath of the opposing gods. Yeah. And they all generally have a standing agreement not to do that sort of thing because it just wrecks and devastates the world. Yeah. So sending a couple of Fae in her service can definitely be done. But then the Fae, you know, there are ways to count. Yeah. The, the Fae are relatively difficult for, you know, direct guards to stop because they can go invisible or mind control them or sneak around or stuff. Yeah. But there are a bunch of um, traditional things you can do to protect a child from being stolen. Yes. Yes, which, which Tristan, you know, no, no, that one has no basis in fact whatsoever, you know. An upside down horseshoe, that's just silly. If it's silver and the right way up, that's a very <laughs> different story. Yeah. So yeah, we'll put Tristram on, um, guarding things, and, um, yeah, um, and I think, um, Bryn on watching the children in the short term while he's putting that in place. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that point, Galen feels secure to go battle the king. Yep. So, so you're, you're really going to fight her, really? Yep. <laughs> Kick his ass. <laughs> I'll do my best, but we're not fighting for anything, so... Yeah, Tristan is excited, Bryn tells you to go kick his ass, and Michaela tells you to expect treachery and shenanigans, basically. The, um, and yeah, the lady thinks, um... Niska's presence is at the tournament, so expect dirty tricks from her. But I think anywhere you are and anything you're doing next year, expect dirty tricks from Niska. There are times when it doesn't pay. There are times when it pays to just be cautious enough. And um, then um, Caleb will move over to speak privately to Bryn. I hear what you're saying, love. It fears me what might happen, but we'll just have to be more careful with... We'll just have to watch her more carefully. I don't want them to go away from us, neither. Maybe. You're right, and it is the smart thing to do. But I will still not do it. I don't... It doesn't feel right to me. They're ours, and we should be the ones watching over them. If some fairy creature pulls off stealing one of them, I'll go to the fairy realms and get him back. We will. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I, I think the warning might be what we need for that. And that, um, that other trick that Glorona tried on Tobias, they need to have good access to the child for a long time to pull that off. 
uh, think it's as simple as that. Yeah, no, that 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 was definitely basically very slowly. It wasn't like Niska just took Tobias off one night, did a ritual, and stuck a demon in him. Yeah, it was very slowly. She put more and more discord in him. Yeah, until she got the demon that Tobias could be essentially. Yeah, because the thing at the end was basically this is what Tobias looks like as a proper grown up denuded of all empathy and love for life and any of that sort of thing. This yeah. is what the joyless, discordious Guy Ronan version of him is, yeah. backed up with demon strength and hell power and all the rest of it. Yeah, but the key aspect is it also wasn't the real, t- it was it was using bits of Tobias, but the real Tobias was an occasion in the back of his head. Yes, but he, was... didn't, he didn't start there, he had to yeah. be pushed there. Yeah. Doesn't everyone just black out from time to time? <laughs> Sure, I don't remember how I got places. Doesn't everyone? Poor little Tobias. That was so great. <laughs> Kids take the world they're presented. <laughs> okay. So that is side scene with Titania. Yep. Narissa. That which remains. Narissa. Yeah, Tristan will sort of blink at that one as well. Narissa. She's what remains of Titania, I suppose. Which would make her something different again. Very interesting. Hmm, I'll have to double check my books and research it. Or I suppose I can come and watch them. You're only fighting with swords, I mean... <laughs> I'd rather you research changelings than come watch the fight. <laughs> okay. And then, um... And for this one, I'd say Bryn can bring the kids to the vicinity of the fight. That should make it relatively difficult for yep. people to nick off with them. Yep. You can have your rumours um, before or after, as you desire. I'm happy to have them before. So this is probably not something you find out this very minute, so much as um, when your people walk around the tournament and talk to the other merchants and all this sort of thing, when yeah. it gets back to you, or blah. Oh, those are those are fascinating in context. <laughs> um, so word will reach you floating around of rumours from the tournament and things. Um that Drelev has been a plant from Pytax from the very beginning ah. and is only now showing his true colours. His recent um, quote-unquote defeat by Erevetti is part of the plan. Right. And in the context this reaches you, that will be directly compared to you and Varn because yep. the same rumours have floated around him. Yeah. That Eldis had set this plan in motion where Varn was always going to build up a bit and then surrender to you, functionally doubling your territory. Yeah. I don't think that's true. Entirely up to you. Yeah. Some of them are true, some of them are false, some of them are partly true. Yeah. They're, they're just rumour at this point. Yeah. Uh, and the one you hear about, the other one you hear, um, is that Iravetti is under the spell of a priestess of Gairona who lives in a secret cave under his palace. Mm. Further. Yep. Um, that she is supposedly a vampire. And now so is he as well. He is some sort of vampire or vampire spawn or some such thing. And the armor protects him from the sun. Ah. So yes, that is what you hear. And if there is nothing else you particularly desire to do, you can nope. go out to fight the Clockwork King. That is indeed my plan. Okay. So, uh, I can do this on a map and an initiative track if you desire, but given there's only two of you and the map is pretty uncomplicated. It, it doesn't seem... I figured we'd do it like the original battle with Van. Yeah. Yeah. So, you head out to the field, and oddly, it, it's just one of the assorted fields out past the tent. Yet, oddly enough, there's a big throng of people out there. Yeah. Um, 
Caelan will be in his plate and will be carrying his two swords, but not all his other weapons. So he's not actually clanking with his bow, his lance, his fl- and his flail as he customarily would. He's just got great sword and gate. He's just got the adamantine great sword and gatekeeper. And can you give me a? And will be wearing his crown quite definitely. Yep. And can you give me a spot check as you surveil the crowd? Twenty. Okay, uh, you see several people. There, there are a large number of crowd out here. Yeah. Um, just throwing around, they all part before you. There appear to be a whole bunch of merchants and hawkers out here. Um, coin is changing hands as you see bets going on and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, many of your people are here, unsurprisingly. Um, you would actually see a couple of people you would recognise who have come out to see this. Uh, one of them is indeed Darman Jot, the Warden of Mivon. Yeah. Um, one of them is Ras Selene, the Queen of Mivon, who is also standing here kind of quietly in a cloak, but with a couple of more obvious bodyguards around. She's not making a big show of being here, but she is here. I wonder if she'd like to fight later. Um, you do not see Drelev or his... Um, or his queen. Yeah, this isn't the kind of thing I'd think would interest them. Uh, Lady Quintessa Moray, however, is here. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think she might be the brightest person in that entire little Drelevian kingdom. And then, very quietly, at the back of the crowd, just watching this, um, you see an old familiar face. Um, it is, it is. It is, it is. Uh, someone that will make Caelan blink and possibly swear. A fat man in fine clothing. It's Gregory? It's Gregory. Ooh. He is at this tournament. Uh, as Caelan will doubtlessly think of this, you told him not to come back to your kingdom. He's not in your kingdom, that's, technically. That's quite This is true. neutral territory. Yeah. So he's, he's not, whether or not you want to make anything of it, it's totally up to you, but he's not technically violating your prohibition. Yeah. The camera will see Caelan misses a step and stumbles yeah. slightly as he recognises him. And, and he... And, he sw- and a very quiet swear word in orchestra passes his lips. And he is, in fact... Trying to hide from you specifically would probably be a little strong, but he is trying to, you know, sort of hide behind people and put yeah. his head around so he can see, but not be obviously up the front. Uh, and yeah, that's about it of people that you might or might not be expecting to see who you can see here. And yeah. a bunch of other miscellaneous interested parties. Yeah. And the crowd sort of surges around, backs up so you've got about 50 foot of open space on all sides around you. And then parts at the other side as the Clockwork King comes forward. Uh, and he just kind of walks in with no bodyguards and yeah. apparently no onlookers of any kind. Yeah. Um, actually, he's not as stupid as he looks. So there is somebody here with him um, who is not necessarily obviously walking with next to him like a bodyguard. Nonetheless, he's pretty damned unmissable. Um I'll just see if I can find his picture in here, which I think I have. Ah, yes, there it is. Uh, so, this guy uh, stands a good, about a foot taller than the Clockwork King and about three foot wider. 
um, is also wearing heavy steampunk clockwork armor that completely obscures it's his face. It's the other guy in red on the poster next to next to Revesi, isn't yeah. it? And he's got a big fuck off axe over his back. Yeah, uh, he looks like steampunk juggernaut. Yeah. Irvini is steampunk Doctor Doom. This guy is steampunk Juggernaut. Oh, I've been wondering who that guy. And was. while he is not walking as next to Irvini as his bodyguard, he's in the crowd, and it's pretty unmissable that presumably there's a connection there because one of the odds that two people are in bizarre steampunk clockwork armor. Just picking off some of the various moths we got going on. No problem. And that's it. Irvini steps out, um, steps to. Within, basically, you know, within five foot of you. So, you once wear him. Um, and looks you up and down quite carefully. Uh, and at this point, you get a sense of motive check. Uh, 22. Okay. Uh, he is looking you up and down in a new way. Um, that you are not, you, he, you're used to him staring at you with deep scientific interest. Yeah. This time he is studying you again. Uh, and your suspicion is he's probably got some sort of sight based spell up. He's looking at you in a, he's looking at you with something like, right, yeah, true, detect true, whatever true, yeah, or. True seeing or one of those yeah, things. He is looking for things. And he flinches just slightly away from you as he looks at you. Um, and he sees something on your forehead. Ah, right, yep. And it makes him just flinch, just blink just for an instant. And then he's completely out again. Are you ready to begin? Aye, whenever you are. And his voice goes louder, um, and he calls out to the crowd. Then of your own free agreement, we meet here, we meet here in a contest of pure sportsmanship. Until one of us yields, or until, or until, until one of us yields, or the contest is deemed over. Alright. Um, and at this point a little man comes forward. Um, he is a tiny little waif of an elf. Um, looks comparatively young and spry, but comes forward. He says, ah, excuse me, um, your Majesty King Caelan, I am Timon Marcus, uh, the representative of Dagomark, because they don't have a king. Yeah. Um, they have effectively a secret council of lords, like, yeah. like the Lords of Waterdeep. Um, he comes forward, if it is alright, if it is alright by you, I would be happy to officiate this contest and ensure it goes no further than it needs to. Uh, sounds fine to me if you've no, if you've no objection, Your Majesty. I do not. Marcus says, good, good. I have done this sort of thing before. I know exactly how it goes. And steps back to the sidelines, and he will basically be the guy that flags it and says, no, you're at half your hit points now. This is done. Yeah. Okay. And Irovetti steps forward towards you, and Marcus says, when the handkerchief hits the ground, gentlemen, and roll for initiative. Oh, that's not good. That's not a good start. And Irovetti, unsurprisingly, is slightly quicker off the bat. Yep. Um, in, in fact... Uh, do we both have weapons out at this point? No. No, okay. Not. You do not begin with them. The yep. advantage goes to the person who can yep, quick that's, that's fair. But you're pretty much within five feet of each other, so 
It's very much just going to be, unless he's got something clever up his sleeve, stand there and whack each other with full attacks. Yeah. Um, and in fact, what we will say here is, just as Kaelin is about to draw, then he sees Gregory poking his head Yeah, that seems goes, very perfect. What the? And Erevetti moves first. Yeah. Uh, he draws his sword out. Not, it must be said, astoundingly quickly. He is not a quick draw artist. Yeah. Um, but he does not provoke people. Well, he provokes, but Kaelin doesn't have a weapon. And he has this black bastard sword with Oberon's runes on them. And he steps forward and will very cautiously take a poke at you with it. Basically, you recognize him dropping into a full combat expertise stance. Right. He strikes out at you lightly, trying to gauge your weakness and that sort of thing. Uh, and I do not think he will get far. Uh, that is 18. Uh, no. Yeah. So he takes a cautious feint out at Caitlin. And at that level it just flat out glances off the armour. And that is it. He clanks off your armour. If he has um, other better um, attacks up his sleeve, he elects not to use them. He only okay. takes a single attack. So, so he, he, pulls his, he pulls his bastard sword out, watches you, cautiously steps forward and bring his sword up very defensively in front of him, goes tink into your armour, doesn't penetrate through, and then drops back into a defensive guard waiting. Okay, at the point that he's got that level of defence up, I think he's not going to be awesome at attack. Um, yeah, you see him full combat expertise, which yeah. would be five points worth. Kaelin um, is going to begin by drawing the adamantine greatsword, not gatekeeper. Yep. So Kaelin quick draws the adamantine gatesword, yep. and then he full attacks the Ravetti. Yes, indeed. With no power attack or anything, just flat out attack. Yep. So that is a 23. Ravetti blocks it with a sword. Yep. With relative ease. Tink. And the next one is a crit threat. Is it a nat 20? It is a nat 20. Okay, in that case, it goes under his guard and clinks him promptly in the side of his full plate. Yep. And I roll, roll to confirm. confirm. Um, and that is a 28 to confirm. Ooh, that might actually... Uh, no, not with his defense it's combat expertise it. up. Yep. So I just flat out hit him. So he is moving very cautiously, moving the blade quite slowly, and you duck one in and smack him across the side of the room. Yep. Alright, at which point I roll... Uh, not going to be awesome. 11 points of attack, bearing in mind that it's adamantine will surmount any damage reduction he has that's based around that. I'm not sure that's true, actually. No, 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 I'm not saying it will surmount any damage reduction it has, I'm saying it will surmount any damage reduction he has that is that adamantine works on. I need, I need a DMG. <laughs> but yeah, I... I I'm assuming, based on the way he looks, that he's got some kind of damage reduction, and so I'm leaving yeah, out with the sword that I got. But so, it, it's just a ma- it's just a masterwork sword, so it hasn't got magic up. Certainly, he's obviously got um, full plate armor. It's actually something. That's right. It's more expensive to magic an adamantine sword, but I should think about doing it anyway. So adamantine will go through any hardness he has. Right. It won't go through any DR he has unless it's explicitly it's penetrated by, by adamantine. adamantine. Yep. So something like barbarian levels would still provide him with DR. Yeah. Um, so 11, you said? Yes. Uh, he does actually seem to shrug some of this off. Yeah. He takes the blow, he staggers slightly, but his armor seems to absorb some of the impact. Okay, good. Tonight. 
um, without the adamantine cutting through it. Oh, okay. Which you don't terribly expect it to do, although Tristan would have been able to tell you that many golems are, in fact, vulnerable to adamantine. Yes. Because they're so hard, only adamantine pierces them. Yep. Um, Alright, so... Are you out of attacks? That was my second attack, so yes. Okay. Eremetti sort of drops his drops his eyes very slightly to where you've hit him in the side. Interesting. Steps around and uh, swings for your greatsword. Yep. And endeavors to disarm you. Okay. He does not provoke in the process. He, like he hasn't. Like he hasn't proved disarm. Okay. Uh, and can you give me? Propose this arm check is uh, as a melee attack. You attempt to disarm your opponent. Right, he provokes, but he doesn't. Uh, you and he make opposed rolls. Okay. Uh, both of you are double handing your weapons, so you both get exactly the same bonus, so you won't worry about that. Do I add anything to this, or is it just a flat d20? It is an opposed attack roll. Okay, so. so you are making an, an attack at your normal full base attack bonus. Right. And he is no longer defensively fighting. Okay, so the, is this the attack of my weapon, the attack of my strength, plus my back the, the attack of your adamantine greatsword. Okay. So consider you are making an attack on him with it. Cool. He makes an opposed attack and gets a bonus because of his improved disarm, and that will be ridiculous. Uh, 19 plus... Uh, 24. Okay. He brings his blade heavily to bear on yours, smacks you almost slightly across the top of your fingers with it, and you drop the greatsword. Yep. Uh, and that is his first attack. Uh, at which point he will abandon it. Um, and he picks it up. Okay. And puts it in, wields it in his other hand. So he has okay. a bastard sword in one hand and a greatsword in the other. He could theoretically wield the bastard sword in one hand if he's good enough for it. He can't wield the great sword in one hand, but yep. he can hold on to hold it. Hold on to it. All right. uh, he also provokes from you if you are still armed with anything. You can take a poke at him with. No, I don't have anything. Okay. So Iravidi steps forward, swings for you. You think he's going for you at the last second. He turns his blow and goes for your fingers, and you ah <clears throat> drop the great sword. And quick as a whisper, he's down and picks it up, and then just watches you impassively. Okay. Um. Kalen will um, fall. Um, now let's see which way around is this. It's going to provo- if I fall back, it's going to provoke. If I just five foot back, it won't provoke. Correct. Yeah. If you draw the weapon, it won't provoke either. Remember. Oh, that's right. Yes. That's okay. Debating. Yep. Okay. Um, and Kalen will draw. Um, Kalen will draw gatekeeper. Yep. And then I will full attack Iravetti. Go for it. Just so let me get my other full attack weapon up. Okay, that's going to miss, I would imagine, a 19. Uh, yes, at which point stuff happens. Okay. So you swing for him, um, slightly unprepared for whatever the hell he's doing. It doesn't yeah. seem like a te- terribly effective fighting style. You'll vaguely wonder if he's going to start jewel-wielding these giant swords. Yeah. And so you swing kind of cautiously, moving around your adamantine greatsword. As you swing at him and miss, he brings up his sword to parry. And as the two of them clang together, something happens. This was kind of why I let out with Gatekeeper. But Kelly with, with the Adamantine Greatsword. With the Adamantine okay. Yeah, it, it appears to be kind of why he disarmed you. Yeah. Um, 
the two swords hit each other, and for a moment you were doing that classic, you know, strong combatant, yeah. pushing the swords into each other. Um, and can you give me a DC 10 spot check? Because this is the middle of a combat, I actually see this happening. Uh, and alas, I do not, that's a four. Okay, the swords are going, pushing into each other. And then suddenly you are somewhere else altogether. Ah. Uh, with no intervening steps or anything of sort. Yeah. One moment you are pushing the sword hard at Arabetti's face, looking into that expressionless clockwork mask. And then in another second, you are somewhere else and no longer in control of your actions at all. Uh, you are walking into a deep, for- long forgotten cave and as you, Caitlin looks around in here, turning his head, and you can see nothing because it's dark. Huh. And so, on unconscious reflex, you reach in to your pack and you take out a stick that appears to already be lit, an ever-burning torch, effectively, and the room lights up a bit. And you are in this highly polished, reflective cavern... It's vaguely natural, but not in a way that makes any sense. Like, the walls have literally been polished to a mirror sheen. And in it, you see not Kalen's reflection, but somebody else's. Uh, it is a young man in heavy armour that looks like it is of mid-complexity. It looks like it has several clockwork features to it. Um, it is only breastplate, rather than full plate, so he doesn't have on a helm. And what you see is a reasonably attractive human man um, in what you would guess to be maybe his early 20s, kind of young. Um, And he is looking around. uh, And can you give me a knowledge and ability check? Uh, That would be an 11. Okay. So he has some heraldic symbols on his armour which you recognize as being the symbols of Pytax, uh, this would be Castruccio Rivetti. When he was a young man. Yeah. As opposed to an old whatever he is now. Yeah, but this this is definitely him. Yeah. Um, he's got... Or, or, so to put it another way, I am currently Castruccio You are currently Castruccio Rivetti. And Caelan is pretty much just passively watching this, unable yep. to influence Rivetti's actions at all. As you walk into the tomb, for tomb it is because... You've rather rather cleverly, with nimble fingers, disarmed several of the deadly traps around the place. Yeah, this definitely doesn't seem to be careless. Um, and as you step in, several of these traps appear to be about, like, vine growth and all this sort of thing, as opposed to ice and things. It's more forces of life than cold. And then a creature comes out that looks vaguely like a man, except for the fact that it's made entirely of wood and has a long, mossy beard coming down. Um, And it brings its sword up. Oddly enough, it's wearing thick metal gauntlets. Um, uh, In fact, no, sorry, thick leather gauntlets that is holding the black blade that Iravetti now possesses with it. And it holds it up and calls out to Iravetti in a withered and wooden voice. Go from this place, for you face Oberon's champion here. The blade is for you, but only if you are strong enough to claim it. And you hear a a laugh coming out from yourself. (laughs) 
I am strong enough for anything. Move aside, tree. I have not come here to be foiled by plants. And Iravetti reaches down and draws his own sword, and the two of them clash with each other, whereupon Iravetti kills the plant creature, takes the sword, and holds it, and... Ah. Interesting. Same word, but in a much more animated voice than his usual. And you are Kaelin. You are pushing your sword into his face, and Iravetti, you know, blinks at this and steps back away. Uh, and can you give me a sense motive, I suspect? Yeah. He can't oppose this. Uh, that's a nine. Okay, so he's I mean, reacting. I, my guess would be that ca- that he just saw me taking my sword. Yeah, you can be pretty sure he's reacting to more than just you're swinging a sword at his face. He yeah. blocks the blow and then goes, hmm, as if he's observed something. Yeah, that's that's but my guess. That's your that's the only thing that's the only information you get from the GM. Yep, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, and that is your first attack done. Yeah. And I am going to swing for my second attack. Go for it. Kaelin is not philosophical type when he is in battle. Alright, and I am... This is, could be over relatively briefly. I roll a 15 and miss him again. Okay, and you get another spot check as he blocks you again with a sword. Okay, and this time I get an 8, and I'm changing dice at this point. Okay, so he blocks you again with the sword, and again the two swords press into each other. This time you do not experience any... um odd visions of any kind. Yeah. Um, or rather, you have a passing sense that basically you saw all of that, what was a good 15 minutes of Erebedi yeah. entering the tomb and fighting the plant guardian in a heartbeat. Yeah. And the same thing happens again, but this time you just blink straight through it. Yep. Yeah. I skipped the cutscene. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Seen this cutscene. X, X, X. Man, right. is this going to happen every time we yeah. hit each other? It was interesting once. Are you out of attacks? I am out of attacks. It's Iravetti's turn. Iravetti steps back away from you, drops both his swords, I yield. Ah. Uh, so, well, doesn't drop them, turns, sticks them in the ground, yeah. um, ducks his head and doesn't quite kneel, but goes down towards a knee and I yield. I am beaten. Kaelin, um... Stops his about to be attack, yeah. and then just stands there holding gatekeeper and staring at Ravetti for a long moment. And the, there's immediately a lot of <laughs> muttering to the crowd, and Timon Maracas, the guy officiating, is sort of looking at it for looks at it for the briefest of moments, then instantly regains his equilibrium. Then the duel is over in favor of King Kaelin. All hail Kaelin, King of Stagthorn, and there's some. Yeah. Scattered clapping around the crowd, and it must be said a lot of booing as well. Yeah. Alright, folks. Uh, thank you, King Irvetti. That was enlightening. If somebody else wants to fight me, the knight is young. I'll, um, take a, I'll take another contender if somebody else, if, if we want to see a bit more of a show. And Irvetti stands up, sheaths his sword, and hands you back your adamantine greatsword. And then just walks off the field like he doesn't yep. care. Anymore. And the crowd boos the shit out of him. Yeah. And he just walks off like he doesn't care. And the people that aren't booing are just looking at him like, what the fuck was that? You know, that was a big damn letdown. Yeah. <laughs> what was that shit all about? And Kellen will glance around and, and inquiringly at the crowd. 
and um, Dean will specifically glance over to where he can see um, the Queen of Mervon. Oh, you're, you're going to challenge Rasseline. I'm not going to challenge her. I'm just putting out there that if anyone else wants to fight me, the night is young and the crowd like, would like a show. Because mm. I feel bad for these people. I was thinking this was going to be cooler than it was. She will take you on that, actually. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, at which point, uh, you gain a hero point for awesome. You have nothing to gain from this. <laughs> and several things to lose. I don't care. I don't, hey, hell, I don't care if she beats me. She's awesome. I want to fight her. Yeah, there is a long pause and a couple of people sort of argy-bargy. And you see a couple of, like, the random knights kind of thinking about stepping forward. Yeah. But you did just beat a Rivetti, sort of, and you do have a bit of a reputation. You do have a pretty cool reputation. Yeah. And then you hear from the crowd, are you taking any challenges, Your Majesty? Even one, e- even a woman. <laughs> and the hood goes back, and it is indeed Rasseline, Queen of Mivon, and one of the greatest duelists in the River Kingdoms. I would be honoured... It, it, your majesty. And she will f- throw off the cloak, step forward. Um, uh, actually, to be honest, would be walking around here in armour because it's just smart. Yeah. Um, she is dressed in light armour over her... Uh, prob- in fact, what she is dressed in is nice regal robes that look a bit bulky as if she's wearing a nice yeah. chain shirt or something underneath them. Yeah. Uh, and she will step forward. Not you. Well, a challenge under the same rules, then, Your Majesty. Aye, any, any time to prepare you. Any time to prepare you want. You um, may want to get into. She will more comfortable clothes. She will stretch briefly. A, a good idea. I will be back in perhaps ten minutes. Goes off to a tent. Comes back in armor and pants, looking ready for a fight. Well, while she's hair all sternly bunned up at the back, Kellen will glance directly at the odds makers and um, say, "The best I can do for your folks. The best I can do for you, folks. (laughs) If I were you, I'd bet on her." (laughs) And you see that one guy in the crowd who's taking this huge pile of gold because he was betting that you'd beat the Clockwork King in two rounds flat. Yeah. And he's walking off with what must be a thousand gold going, ah! Yeah, but everyone else can make and everyone fresh... Everyone else is like... Bleh. Everyone else can make fresh bets and have another go. Alright, and yes, I'm fighting Rasseline. This is so awesome. And Rasseline will step up, will draw her sword clink with yours formally, and then sheath it again, uh, the equivalent of bowing under the um, Eldori Swordlord jewels. Yeah. Um, and this is not the jewel that most favours her, that's the line jewel thing, where you fence each other back and forward, yeah. but um, you know, this is a fair test of her skill. Yes. And so you bow to each other appropriately, and well, Maraka steps forward, explains the rules again, then says, when the handkerchief hits the ground, begin. Oh, then we roll for initiative and wrestling beats me, I suspect. Yep, and Callum rolls a one again. Yep. He, speed is not his ally. Yep, yep. This is not who you did all your mental prep to fight, and yep. she is fast. Yep. Really, really fast. Yep. Uh, I believe at that point there is at least a 25 point difference between yep. your initiatives. The thing is, I'm thinking it's going to be just like fighting Fun, only more badass, and, um, you know, he kicked my ass, he kicked my ass with speed. So she draws her blade, steps in, um, and having actually just seen you beat the Clockwork King, will also 
wave her sword defensively at you. Okay, she activates combat expertise. She activates expertise. combat expertise. Uh, and will miss you entirely without cool. blinking. That's fine. Um, Kaelin... Uh, hang on, she's not done. Oh, sorry. That was her first attack. Uh, what's your AC? Uh, 26. Misses you with the second one, and misses you with the third one. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Steps in cautiously. Oh, wait, no. Um, it's less because I'm, I'm, I'm... Currently unarmed. Currently unarmed. Um, that's a, it's because it's a two shield bonus when armed, so yeah. it's 24. Uh, she comes close to shaving you with the second one, yeah. but doesn't quite. Gets the blade into your armour, but not strongly enough to pierce it. Yeah. It is kind of hilarious that, um, the, um, yeah, the, I've got a bunch of this from Knight of Thorns and a bunch of it from Mikhail. Alright, and you're up. Yes, and, um, Kaelin will... Hmm. Yeah, I think we'll kick Quick Draw Gatekeeper. Yep. And take a swing at her. And she obviously is appears to be dressed in a chain shirt, has on ha, has an Eldori longsword that looks of exceptional quality. Yep, and that is uh, thirty-three to hit. Ooh, oh dear, oh rest. Where are you? Um, that was um, I rolled a seventeen on the dice, and yep. I, I am actually so quite good with this weapon. <laughs> she has a good solid defense up. And parries the blow away, but not well enough to stop you swinging it back round and clocking over the other side. You hit her. Yep. Okay. Which point? Um, I'm assuming I can roll the acid in with the regular damage? Yes, yes, you can indeed. Uh, she appears to burn and bleed just like you would expect. Yep. That is, uh, 15 plus... Yeah, it is plus 8, because I'm two-handing it, um... Is uh twenty three points of damage. Uh, you cut her across the across the side of her shoulder, and she staggers back away from this for a moment, and looks and looks kind of surprised. <laughs> yep. And uh, then you get any secondary attacks. And then I get my second attack. Yes. Yeah, I rolled really well on the damage. That was pretty much as high as I could. Get. I was like, yeah, uh, there we are. And that's more like it, and. Then I get a 14 with the second one. Yep, and off balance from the first one, she dances away with ease from yep. the second one. And she staggers staggers slightly back and clutches her shoulder for a moment. Very good. Oh, this was worth coming out for. <laughs> and the blade dances around you as she swings it blindingly at you. Um, almost literally because you realise she's turning the blade to catch the dying embers of the sun and glittered into your eyes as she faints you. Ah! Uh, can you make me a sense motive check plus your base attack bonus? I've seen Vaan do this trick, but he is not as good as she is at it. Uh, so that's 18 plus... 20, 25, you are opposing. Uh, 9, 18 plus 9, 27. Okay, so she's good at it. But there's an old warrior's trick. You sort yeah. of squint slightly and turn your head away. Yeah. Uh, that is her move action, yep. because of course she has improved faint. Yes. And then she endeavours to stab you again, this time dropping her into a lighter defensive stance. She yep. part combat expertise. In. <laughs> and she has moved completely into the wrong position to glut yep. the sun in your eyes and fumbles and misses you entirely. She's having poor luck. Alright. And Kellen will take a straight forward... Uh, d- uh, d- 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 
Yeah, she, she, just, she does not have as many levels on you as she used to. Yep. Alright, then Kellen is just rolling really well. And Kellen crit threats her. Oh, baby. <laughs> want to roll for confirmation? Uh. Or do you want to confirm it automatically? No. I, I'm thinking about the other one. I don't know how many hit points she's got, but this could be quite a lot. Uh, she does not look like she is about to sever her arm or anything of the sort. Okay. Alright, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go with awesome. Um, so. Uh, but basically, because the match ends at half hit points, it would have to be a pretty big mismatch. Yeah. It's possible you could do it, but I think at that point you're looking at something like a full power attacker with my times four crit scythe and crit her. This is only a times two weapon. Okay, so that's a 24 to confirm the crit. Uh, that will not do it. Cool. That's alright then, it's just a regular attack. Okay, so, but I continue to roll really high on the damage, so that's, uh, 14 plus 8, uh, 22. Uh, Rastaline steps back again, um, you know, dodges around this time, pushes your blade down the length of hers to avoid the shoulder wound she's got, gets clipped in the side, winded, staggers back, um, and looks like uh, what in fact what you'll see is she doesn't look that poorly off. Uh, Timon Maracas looks like he's going to take a step forward as he assesses this, and then no, no, not quite. She is not yet at half her hit point, but she is approaching it effectively. Okay, and I will take my second attack. Yep. Uh, I don't see the second ones getting through unless you are um, particularly good at it. Uh, Twenty-seven. Uh, that will. Just not do it. Sweet. She again pivots slightly to the side. Because I'm wanting, I'm wanting, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I want to win this, but I don't want to win this by this much of a margin. So, okay, let's happen with that. She moves back again. Your style is different from the Eldori, from the Eldori traditions. But there's no denying you can fight. Still, we're not done here yet. Nay. <laughs> I wonder. Have you been schooled in a gripper? I highly doubt it. And she tosses the sword to the other hand, and then just as she looks like she's about to stab you, tosses it back again. And can you make another sense motive check? Yep. Go last. This one's gonna get you a little major. Uh, we shall see. Uh, that is a uh, 25 plus uh, 31. No, she beats you by a single point on Good that. Good stuff. Okay, she flat-foots me. Uh, the, the trick is, you are not expecting her to toss it to one... You expect her to toss it to yeah. one hand and attack you. You're not expecting her to toss it back again. But you're almost fast enough that it doesn't matter. Yep. Then she flat-foots you and stabs you. Yep. So that makes no difference to my AC whatsoever. No, nope, but it makes a difference to where she stabs you. Yep. <laughs> because this is going to be a hamstring shot. Yep. She's... As she pivots round you. As she gets in the other hand just as she's pivoting round you and stabs you in the back of the leg. Oh, the good stuff. Uh, crit threats you and will quite effortlessly hit you with it. Yep, good stuff. Uh, is still part combat expertise, and that is a with the combat expertise a twenty nine to confirm. And she confirms the crit. Good girl. Okay. This is going to work even better having established that I'm really badass. <laughs> That, plus 
sneak attack. Uh, you are not immune to anything in particular, are you? No. So she doesn't need to distinguish her damage? No, the, the sneak attack goes through just regular. Okay, so as she stabs you, uh, the blade bites in tightly, and then there is a small from it as it shocks you as well. Yep, good stuff. Uh, you take 13 points of sword, 5 points of shock for a total of 18. Yep, and then some sneak attack. And then some sneak attack. Uh, for 10 more, so that is 28 total. Cool. Okay, so... Cool. As she steps around and endeavors to slash you kind of savagely through the hamstring, you pull away at the last second, not taking as bad a blow as it could be, but it still went limp, limp. I, I presume that's not remotely close to a half of your hit points. It is not close to half of my hit points, but um, it's, it's actually moderate. It's certainly an impressive uh, chunk of my hit points for one shot, however. And... Um, Caitlin um, rolls with the leg as his leg gives out. Nice. And you will see Timon Maracas, who has not seen you do any fighting except the one thing you've just done with the Remini, sort of steps forward slightly again as to say, No, he's good. Let it go. Yep. He doesn't assess Caitlin's about to um, fall over. Yep. And it is back to you. She can only make single attacks while she's in full fight. Yes, but I can see why she yeah. does, because that was quite a lot more damage. Yeah, it's, it's about the sneak attack. Yeah. Yes, well, that, that appeared to be quite Which a few dice Your sneak money attack. would be like Van. She's some manner of um, rogue fighter. Yeah. But probably heavier on the rogue than he is. Yeah, that was a lot of sneak attack dice. Also more levels than him. Yeah, yeah, but, but a lot of sneak attack dice. You have to put a lot of rogue levels in to get yep. that many sneak attack dice. Okay, and Kaelin will um, out and out grin at her, and then bring the greatsword down in a very straightforward bash style. Alright, and he finally rolls poorly. This was probably not going to do it. Uh, that's a 23 hit. Roll! <laughs> She's gone. And that's not going to do it either. That's a 20. Roll! She's gone. Yep, and it's her turn again. Yep. She might still let, She might pull this out of the park. This time she will step round you and sort of endeavour to kick you in the hamstring and then stab you in the throat. Faint yep. again. Uh-huh. Uh, say, not so good this time. Yeah, but I just rolled my first really bad sense motive. Let's see. Uh, I do have quite a lot to it, so... 17. Uh, 21. Yep. So this is less that Kalen falls for the, the Kalen falls for the trick, and more that Kalen can't afford avoid yeah. dodging when she yeah, goes for the hatch. You're not as quick as you could as you would otherwise be because you know this this leg is hurt and I don't want her to kick it. So he does dodge away, and that leaves mm. the snake. Uh, and that is a. But will she hit me with her combat expertise? Up, that is only a twenty-four to hit. Ah, but she doesn't get the actual so slow in. She sta- She does indeed stab you in the other hamstring. Yeah. But you have twisted your leg enough that the mail. She doesn't get the cracks in the mail. Yeah. And it goes tink off, and she uh, curses slightly to herself under her breath and steps off again, dancing away. Yep. And Caitlin will come back in, very focused now. Alright, and that is a good number. That is a 30. That will hit her AC. Okay. Again, only just, but... Yep, and that is less damage uh, for... What's the damage? That was legitimately enough, I would say. That's 8 plus 1 is 9 plus 4 is 13. Okay. 
and as Kaylin readies for the second swing and she readies to brace for it, um, Timor Maracas from the sideline in a very loud, unmistakable voice of command shouts, Enough! Kaylin immediately pulls the blow back. Yeah, and she sort of steps back, ready to guard against it anyway, and then half a moment later lets her sword, lets her stance fall and lets the sword fall. And tomorrow steps forward all quiet and, and inoffensive. He says, I, I didn't, uh, excuse me, your majesty, right, your majesty's lady, your majesty Selim, but I deem that this contest is in his majesty Caitlin's favour. And I sort of looks you up and down slightly as, as if to say, you know, I'm, I'm still good to go here, yeah. any more than none. Yeah. And then, nods. I concur with your I concur with your assessment, Mr. Mar- Mr. Maracas. And Kaylin will salute her with the tip of the sword. Cheek. And then she Oh, good fight. I'm gonna feel that in the morning. And he glances down wistfully at his, at his hamstring. And she uh, cracks her shoulder back and forth. I admit, I was not expecting to lose that. I wasn't expecting to win it. You, uh, you're fast, but I figured you would be. So always a pleasure to see the proper Eldori style. Never something I've got the hang of myself. I mean, I can use the sword, but obviously, <laughs> it's um, I prefer a bigger weapon. <laughs> oh, I just uh, if Mivon and Stagthorn ever need a mutual defence pact enacted, I'll look forward to seeing you on my side of the battlefield. And she will shake your hand in yeah. a very strong fashion and raises it up in the air and the crowd cheers enthusiastically yeah. for this one. They've seen what they paid to see, what they didn't pay to see now. Yeah. And the guys bet on Calden again make a shitload of money because anyone with a sense bet on Rastley. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh Word goes ahead of you. Yep, and Kaylin will, um, you know, offer to buy her a drink, and then um, subsequent, whether or not she takes, yeah, she will take you up on that. Uh, yeah, subsequent to that, will limp back to his tent. <laughs> and the crowd is quite happy with that. Yeah, word spreads that you have uh, actually beaten one of the best duelists in the River Kingdom. Yeah, I'm damn proud of that. <laughs> I mean, in what was effectively a fair fight as well, you are not um, unhorsing her from her seat because you are not beating her in an Eldori longsword duel. No, and no. she hasn't claimed to be the best fighter in the River Kingdoms. Nonetheless, beating her is a pretty damned impressive feat under yeah. any circumstances. I don't think there's any question but that she could take me hands down in an Eldori sword duel, but well, Kaelin's prob- never claimed to be an Eldori swordsman. The problem is less that she would get more effective because she's already using all her funky yeah, yeah. Eldori sword lore feats, and but, more that you would get less effective because yeah. you don't have a bunch of funky Eldori sword lore yeah, feats. Yeah, and the thing is, um, using a single-handed weapon... Um, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, not you're a Kaelin. two-handed damager. It's not it's not Kaelin's style. And whilst you have the fighter respec thing, you probably lack some of the stats or the capacity. Like you're not really going to benefit from. You can totally finesse your longsword now. No, it's um, it's not my style. Okay, bro, you defeat the queen of Middle. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of that. And that is uh, evening day one. Yeah. Well, evening day zero, technically. Yeah. So I will go back and um, talk to Tristram and Michaela. Yep. 
And Iroveti, you can easily um, follow, has basically just walked off from the jewel, walked straight back to his tents, and fails yeah. to interact with anyone. Yeah. Uh, the, his big juggernaut dude goes with him. Yeah. And Vaughn, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Vaughn would have totally been there if he'd heard you were dueling Iroveti. Yeah. And it was actually probably much happier to watch you duel wrestling. So, Vaughn will indeed be standing there congratulate you. And, hey... Uh, did you bring Vaughn? I thought he was one of the ones you left. I'm pretty certain I brought him. Um, let me find my um, bit of paper where I wrote down... Oh, right, that was in my kingdom. Shit. I'm pretty certain I just brought him because I thought it would be cool if he came. Um, yeah, I thought you bought a Cora because you wanted a centaur here. Yeah, but I thought I brought Vaughn as well. Very possibly. Um, not the kind of thing you're necessarily going to have to refer to a lot, but... Uh... It is actually... No, yeah, Van Thorn. Yeah, he was the la- he was one of the last... He's one of the last on the list, because I made up my mind about him, yep. I just thought he'd have a good time. Yep. okay, so he is indeed here, and would have quite certainly come to this the yep. second he heard it was happening. Um, and he is waiting at your tent as you come back in, and as you come back in, he clasps your hand. Bloody hell, that was a good time. Well done. Didn't expect to win it, i got to say. Ow, ow, ow. And then kill him. We'll go and sit down hurriedly. Yeah, just says, come in, let me look at that. Cure! Cure! Thanks. That was impressive. You're much faster than you used to be. And much, much better at not falling, not, much better at not falling for those tricks. She got me a, she got me a few times. She's, she's, she's good. That's, um, I think those old men in Brimboy don't want to fight her because they're afraid she'll beat them. I don't think there's any question about that in a proper Aldori tournament. Oh, yeah, that she'd, she'd, I she'd I have my guts I wouldn't come close to her, and nor would several others I can name, but yeah. you've improved immensely over the years. I knew it abstractly, but to see it is another thing altogether. Oh, it's, um, just a question of who you're fighting and the like, I think the, um, my style is just the same in hack it's always been, but, um, it's, uh, I've gotten better, I've got a bit better at dealing the damage, and there's a lot to be said for that. And Vaughn smiles slightly, so, as long as I don't challenge you again, and then I've beaten the man who has beaten wrestling, <laughs> from a certain point of view. <laughs> I'll take it if you will. He's, he's very confident he'd lose round two. Yeah. I, but on the other hand, I um, felt like I had a better understanding of what to expect from her than I would have if I hadn't fought you. It gave me a, that gave me a guide. Glad I could be of some small service to Stagthorn. <laughs> and... Um, Van is actually, I want to talk to Tristram a bit about what I saw with the Rivetti. I actually have no objection to Van staying if he wants to. Yep, by all means. So, um, I will tell Tristram about the vision I saw when we touched swords. Yep. And Tristram listens to it. Oh, interesting. So he took it, he took a similar but different blade for another cavern protected by champions of the ancient Fae then. He took Oberon's champion weapon. He, he wheeled, and he, he did it when he was a young man, so he's had it for 
I don't know, however long, or how old is he? I mean... Uh, as far as you're... Assuming that he's living a normal lifespan, he's uh, should be around mid-50s at this point. Yeah. So that would have been, say, 30 years ago, minimum. Yeah. So he's he's had it since he was in his... He's had it since he was... Um, he's had it at least 30 years. So... This is, that's why he looked at, that's why he looked at Gatekeeper funny when he first saw it. Uh, and in fact you get a wisdom check here. Alas, no, that's a 14. Okay. You have a sensation, a brief sensation in your head, like when you got Gatekeeper you knew, you kind of knew what it was. Once you were holding the blade, you vaguely knew it was gatekeeper. You still had to identify it to get its properties. Yeah. You have this vague sensation the same thing happened to a Rivetti, but it's like a half-remembered dream. Right. The blade has a name. He would have gotten it automatically. You don't pick it up through your mind link with him. It makes sense. Anyway, um... And you no longer feel Rivetti in the slightest in your head or vice versa. I'm just guessing, but I think when we touched blades, he saw me getting gatekeeper. And that would make a lot of sense with what you're saying. And that's what he wanted to see. He didn't want to duel me. He wanted to clash blades with me. He just presumably thought that it would be easier to get me to duel than to head up than to head my sword against his. Because as soon as he saw whatever it was he saw, he just walked away. But <laughs> snorts slightly. Incredibly poor form. I the man doesn't care. But I don't think. I'm not certain he's 100% human anymore. I think he's left such things as proper dual etiquette far in his past. I, I mean, I agree with your assessment. But he obviously wanted to see the magical properties when the blades came into combination with each other. Aside from anything else, it was um, it was very poor strat. It was very poor strategy. It, it, it made it much easier to work out what he'd come here to do than if he had the decency to finish the fight. Did he have Did he have another weapon on on him? I'm guessing it would be a bastard sword as well. A third blade somewhere. You, uh, you, not, you, not, you not, haven't not, seen or hide nor hear of it. Not that I've seen. Are you thinking that Titania must have one of these? Uh, perhaps, perhaps not. But um, with the Fae, three is a very prominent magical number. There are usually three of anything of particularly strong import about them. I would guess, possibly for a near certainty, that there are or were at some point three of these blades. Well... The um, one's one's enough to be bearing for me. Whoever winds up with the third one can have it with my blessing. Aside from anything else, that um, Mab's temple was a damn nasty walkthrough. We um, came bloody close to just all dying, to me and Michaela just dying down there. I don't fancy walking into another one if I don't have to. And the impression you take away from Rubidis, because obviously I fast-forwarded through that, right? Yeah. Have you do the whole thing at length. Um is something very similar. He would have fought something about the same CR as what you were dealing with. Yeah. So. But anyway, it gives us answer to one small mystery about a Rivetti, what he's doing with the sword. Doesn't tell us what's going on with the rest. No. I don't suppose he'd let me borrow it and identify it. It'd be fascinating to know what it was about. You're welcome to ask him. I can't imagine he'll say yes. I think I will. I'm sure I can talk him into it. <laughs> Tristan comes back later. Comes back later. He declined. Yes, dummy. <laughs> All right, and then um, 
At that point, his immediate duties discharged. Traylon will talk with Tristram about as many protections for the children as we can get around them. Yep. Yep, which Tristan is happy to go and start interacting and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, So basically, I'm happy to contribute any amount of of gold that's necessary to purchase such things. Yep. But at this point, I'm not looking for so much defining a bunch of specific defenses as As stating that we put a bunch of anti-changeling precautions in. Which I am perfectly happy with. And specifically around the tournament, you've got enough people that you can always have somebody that you know and trust watching them. Yep. Which I also consider pertains in the castle generally. Yeah. But it's more important here because we're not on our home, Cor- so- home ground. Correct. And this tent is in no way as defensible as my giant castle. Correct. <laughs> but you actually have access to um, people, essentially literally people of higher level who wouldn't normally be guarding the children here, like yep. Svetlana and Vaughn. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we will or- we will order a slightly more aggressive guard roster, but only a bit more aggressive, because the children were going to have some pretty high-end bodyguards in any case, but, you know, we are up, up that a bit. And that is evening day zero. Yeah, at which point Catelyn will go to bed, because he's tired. Yep. Because he rode a whole day, and then he fought two kings. Yeah. It's not an every day you can say you rode every day, and then you fought two kings. By the next day, the place is um, is fit and swimming with people, and tents, and smells everywhere... Um, you and all the other kingdoms have basically been given your own little areas a ways away from each other to avoid the obvious incidents. Um, where you are kept from the general, the general public is kept from bothering you by your own guards. Um, yeah. You have also been generically asked to contribute a bunch of watchmen to the tournament itself for its security, which you've done happily. Um, and when you get up, there are delicious smells in the air. Everybody is up cooking, yeah. you know. Caelan's actually a reasonably early riser, but yeah. many of these are farm folk, so they're up earlier. Yeah. And day one of the Rushlight Tournament is underway. Yes. So at this time, um, Caelan goes out and spends some time training with his horse. Yep. And respects his fighter feet. Yes. So at this point, because you may want to think about yes. this. Um the three things that you will be doing today, assuming, yes. and you you may also want to account for unplanned eventualities like weird random jewels and such forth. And yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, you will be jousting some guy in the Rushlight Tournament qualifiers first yep. thing in the morning. Um, in the afternoon, there is the archery tournament, and in the evening, there is the caster's ball. Cool. So the only one of those I'm contributing to is the jousting thing. The other two are Tristram. Right. I couldn't remember whether you were archery. Or no, it's Tr- Tristram is. Okay. So this is Tristram's big day, and I will actually go see him and encourage him to eat a good breakfast and the like because um, he's he's got a he's got a big day, casting dramatic spells and shooting it's, things. He says, "I know. I I even went to bed at one in the morning, despite the fact that there's so much here to read. You know, there's a bookseller out here. <laughs> good work." <laughs> Okay. I, I know we're asking a lot of you, but you've got a lot of weird talents that um, no one else really does. And as the joust has been explained to you, all of the mounted combat feats except mounted archery will do something or rather for you, so... Fantastic. Uh, spirited charge, mounted combat, ride by attack? Uh, yes, I think so. So um, I currently have great cleave power, attack cleave, and weapon focus mace. Yeah. Because I haven't bothered to respect this since I fought... Um, uh, Vorticai. Vorticai. Yep. So um, I'm going to change that out a little bit. Yep, by all means. 
And I am, in fact, going to keep power attack and replace my other three feats with, um, mountain. Yeah. Yeah, so melee feats are still of some use to you because if you both get unhorsed, then you jeweled for the, for the winner, but the jousting ones are much more useful because the better bet is to knock them off the horse. Alright, so I'm actually going to take, um. And something like cleave is, is not necessarily useful in the joust environment because unless assassins mob you, you're only going to get down one person at a time. Yeah, so I will take power attack, um, weapon focus lance. Yep. Uh, ride by attack and spirited charge. Yep. I believe are the two, uh, they're the next two tiers, aren't they? Yes, the three mounted combat feats that I have that will do things for you are spirited charge, mounted combat, ride by attack. Cool. And I have mounted and, combat as an actual yeah. feat. And weapon focus lance and weapon spec lance will ob- do obvious things for you. Yeah, so, um, I will take those four because, um, I pretty much always have power attack and mounted combat I start with, so I don't need to take that as a trained feat. No problem. Okay. So yes, Kaelin is to be seen pretty much, you know, he grabs a roll of round of bread for breakfast and then heads out and starts, you know, uh, 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 some fairly serious looking jousting training. Because he doesn't actually find a lot of things on lance these days. So, you go out, you spend your morning getting ready for this and riding around people at your kingdom have got a little prepared area for yeah. you to train in. Um, and at some point early in the morning, um, you are all called together for the rushlight opening ceremonies, effectively. Yeah. Um, and what this entails is you and all the other kingdoms walk through with your various competitors, counselors, hanger-ons, and people of note who are um, here to... Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought slightly... Um, you are not having to reveal who's competing in exactly what, but you, your counsellors, your compet- and all your competitors are obliged to parade around in a giant circle in yep. your fancy armour for everyone's benefit. Yep. Um, and you will see a couple of people's things here. Yes. Um, for starters, uh, Drelev has now appeared. He wasn't as far as you can tell here yesterday. But he probably teleported in. Um, he is here, his wife, Queen uh, Pavaretta Strewn Drelev, and her tiny yipping dog are yep. here. Um, Lady Quintessa Murray, uh is, I believe, um, is just lurking in the back of his party. Yeah, in, in it. Innocuously in, um, doing nothing. Yeah, I'm not doing anything in particular. Um, Garnet Bonepicker is not here. Yeah. Um, well, that's a plus. There is a guy, I'm pretty sure you've seen this dude before, but have not um, actually had the opportunity to associate with him. His wizard, in, dressed in very classic giant hat full of stars. I, I mean, he's definitely been to things before, because he's the one that teleports them places. Yes. So he teleported then yes. here he is, to Varnholtz. Here he is parading Van, around Van quite, uh, quite openly, um, talking to Pavaretta a lot, talking yeah. to the Queen. Uh, there are a bunch of other people that you you know, there's some guys. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about non-named NPCs. I've got uh, enough to track with all the named NPCs. And Grigory is in his pile of assorted hanger-ons, counsellors, champions, etc., etc. Oh, that's well worth knowing. So he's in Camp Drelev. Cool, okay. And then, um, the... Uh, this is this is mostly of people you'd recognise, because they all have assorted 
people with them. So my question is: Kundel is Kundel in the party? Uh, he's just he's just an army commander now, so we might not be. But okay, so back again. Yep. Uh, Kundel is indeed in Fort Raylu's camp. Okay. So he is here, uh, possibly to compete. Possibly, you know, he's not here as a counselor because you know he isn't yep. one. But he could just be a representative for them, or like a qualifier in the um, joust or something in that neighbourhood. Yep. Uh, so that's Fort Drayloof. Um Pytax um, has Irovetti, obviously, in his pile. Um, has this huge juggernaut yep. that you have seen before. Um, and has a couple of people that you don't recognise, um, one of whom is not wearing heavy steampunk clockwork armour, but is in full-body cloak, full hood, and clockwork mask over the face. Right. Um, it looks like a vaguely rat-shaped, um, you know, rat-shaped mask on. Right. But the guy is deliberately endeavouring to conceal what he looks like yep. for the purposes of the parade, obviously. And... He has a handful of people with him, but Pytex has considerably less than everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in, in addition to the, the distinctive-looking people, are there any just people with Dre- with um, Uravetti? Uh, yes, but literally a handful. Like yeah. You, like, three. Yeah. Um, and... And then he has a few of his clockwork guards around. Yeah. And that's it. He has a significantly smaller retinue than everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Mivon has a bunch of people, including Rasseline and Darman Jot, their half-orc warden. Sweet. Um, Mivon will bring me awesome. You can always count on them. Dagamark has a bunch of people you wouldn't recognise. Uh, yeah. And in... it is, the old, is the old lady yeah, there? Yes, get, getting there. Sorry, sorry. Um, they are led by Timon Maracus. Um, all the kings and queens are introduced. Yeah. Um, and Representative Maracus is yeah. introduced on behalf of his po- perhaps fictitious masters elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, the theory being Dagamark is run by a council of merchants who don't openly identify themselves. Yeah. It seems to have worked well for them for many years, so yeah. here we are. Uh, their general, Eugenia Varadu, the old woman, is here as well. Excellent. Uh, that's it for who you'd recognise from Dagomark. Yeah, I don't know very many people from Dagomark. Uh, and the King of Grolton is a man you have not met before. Marius Chalorn um, is a half-elf dressed in very fine regal clothes who walks along like he's the King of Earth and sneers down his nose at everything. Yeah. So out of him and Drelev, who's doing the better job of disdaining? Uh, Drenlev actually looks vaguely invested in being here. Right, yeah. Of course, this isn't below his, this isn't a below his station of being, no. like, every time he comes to Kaelin's parties. No, but Marius Chilorn looks like a guy who's got a permanent bad smell in his, um, in his nose. Yeah. And in fact, as you sort of move vaguely towards each other to pebble the kings and queens up the front, except Erevedi, who's emceeing, you see Marius sort of looks sideways at you, and you know, looks at his nose and says in a voice that is openly loud enough to be heard, he's not really endeavouring to conceal it. Gods, it really is a half-walk. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim will give him a big shit-eating grin, fangs and all. <laughs> okay, and 
that's pretty much it for people that you would recognize and note there and things. Cool. And you all parade around, and then Irovetti goes up to the front to stand on his big podium. And Of course, because he's emceeing the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this year he has it. Next year, one of the other kings will have it, etc., yeah. etc. Et but it's just as well it wasn't Ravoy's turn. <laughs> yeah. He stands up. Welcome to the annual Rushlight Tournament. You all good? Yep. I would like to congratulate and welcome all of our proud competitors and hope they all serve well here in the spirit of international cooperation. I'm not doing this in character. I just can't... (laughs) Of all the things you expect Dr. Doom do, MC the Olympics is just not one of them. As usual, we, we will compete for the honour and prestige of being amongst the best in the in the River Kingdoms. In addition, this year Pytax is also floating a prize for the grand king for the kingdom who produces the most points in the tournament. And one of his clockwork minions moves up to him and opens a vaguely book sized case, and he very delicately pulls out a small-looking volume about yay big. It is just a leather-bound book with no title on it. And he holds it in the air for everyone to see. For those of you who can appreciate such things, this is the last known copy of Zadig's Picnic. Uh, and yeah. there's the odd bit of huh from the crowd, mostly seeming to be eaten up by people going... Huh? It's a book. And Tristan is sitting there going, <gasps> and hyperventilating with excitement. <laughs> well, considering he's competing in a third of our tournament, that's, um, that's him motivated. There's no big reaction from this, and a couple of people, you hear a couple of people muttering, and you know, last year it was a rod of lordly might, and it expected to be worth at least 10,000 gold. What are we going to do with a book? Everybody just ignores all yeah. of this, of course. Yeah. Then, in the spirit of cooperation, I welcome all rulers and all of their champions here to the Rushlight Tournament. Let us go. Let us go about. And there is a bang, really big, loud noise, and several people whip round, and guards and swords and yeah. everything else come out. And over behind the podium, in a deliberate cacophonic thunder crash and a flash of light um, there are two people standing where they weren't a moment ago um, one of them you don't recognize again another one of these lovely cloaked figures cloak pulled down over his head bandana wrapped around his face cloak the other one is the true knight of thorns he is in his full full ironwood armor helm down over his face and has a horse on he had a horse that he is riding and he rides forward, and he calls out, Hail, Clockwork King of Pytax! But you have not introduced all the competitors yet. And Erevetti just stares, uh, stares at him. Yeah, Calum will have sheathed the sword. Yeah, and the sword swords start to slowly go away. Yes, yeah, Calum yeah, will sheath the sword and growls. Like he, is, he is obviously armed, but he is not wielding anything. Yeah. Um, and the true Knight of Thorns rides forward, and calls out to the crowd. Okay. And the 
true knight of thorns calls out addressing he's vaguely pointed in Ovidi's direction but he's pretty much aiming this at crowd yeah uh, he calls out your majesty you have forgotten to introduce one of the kingdoms or the river, one of the river kingdoms that should by rights have been invited I speak for the first world and we demand our right to entrance in this tournament are you afraid to challenge those who came first mm-hmm. and Irovedi just completely no-sells this and stares blankly at him yeah. um, and it is Marnius Chalorn who shouts out from the crowd who are you you have not been invited to this tournament. You have no say here. You are not a kingdom we recognize. Then I petition to be recognized. I demand the right to challenge. And there's a lot of hubbub from the crowd, and Iroveti holds a hand up at this point and calls out in a booming voice. This will be considered by the Rushlight Committee. Your Majesties, please come this way. Our opening ceremony is concluded. <laughs> And he will basically call for a meeting of all the partici- all the kings and rulers who are participating. The Rushlight Tournament Committee, which now comprises you as well. Sweet. You have a vote here because you are now a member of an official member of the tournament. I will go along. Um, and you come in and you have Drelev. Yep. Uh, there's a shitload of bodyguards around this tent, yep. unsurprisingly. Drelev, Irveti, Selene... Marnius Chalorn um, and Tomo Maracus. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, oh, and yourself. That makes yep. that makes seven. Um, and let us have these blackguards decapitated and sent upon their way if they insist upon intruding. Drelev and who the devil are these people anyway? Uh, the first world is. is not a part of, no part of the river kingdoms. It is the fairy realm that which lies beyond this place and has been here for some time. It's as much a part of the river kingdoms as any other place. <laughs> this is completely preposterous, says Traylor. I agree with my I agree with my associate, his Majesty King Shalorn. If these brigands will not move, let us move them. We have sufficient force for this. I suggest we simply throw them out and enough. I recognize their right to be here. It is too late for proper protocol, but if the First World wishes to challenge us, then I suggest we allow them to do so. It is my vote as a member of the Rushlight Committee tournament that we accept them as a kingdom we recognize as part of this tournament. What say you, King Thorns? I vote with you. I vote with you, King of Pytex. The First World are not wise enemies to have. And speaking purely for myself, I prefer uh, uh, not to pick fights I can't win. And Kaelin's eyes put briefly <laughs> and pointedly to the King of Grothen. <laughs> and so there's some brief discussion about what this will entail. Basically, if you accept them. As a kingdom, theoretically, they should bring in some of their own men for this, that, and the other thing. But it's, it's, at the moment, there only appears to be two of them. Yeah. Um, secondly, you grant them the right to enter the tournament, obviously, and diplomatic immunity and all the rest of it. Yeah. I don't think any of this should surprise the player overly. No. Um, and the vote goes round the table. Do you want to know who votes for this? Yes. Um, so, 
It already votes yes, let them in. Yep. Stagthorn votes yes, let them in. Um, Tamoran Maracas says that Dagomark does not recognize their sovereignty, and in any case, there are procedures to be followed. Yeah. You know, which they have not done, and thus should be disqualified anyway, whether a legitimate kingdom or not, and votes them down. Uh, Rolton votes them down. Drelev votes them in. Ah. Um, and Rastaline will, through several sideways glances to you to check that you know what the hell you're ta- doing and talking about, will also vote them in. So, thus passing it by a um, larger margin than it actually requires. Yeah. And Erevedi sends a runner out, and the true Knight of Thorns comes in to be recognised as a fellow ruler and of sorts. Yeah. Um, and Marius Chalorn looks to him and says, eh. And to what name do we address you, your majesty? And the knight looks back at him. I am no ruler. Consider me more of an heir to the throne. The true knight of thorns is enough name for me. I'll enter your jousts, your contests, and I will show you all up. Show you that I am the true knight of thorn here. And stares at Caitlin, who stares back at him. Yeah. But not in a particularly offended way, unlike yep. the tra- glances he's trading with the King of Galton. He doesn't have... The, 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 this beef appears to be all on his side. And that is settled. That matter is settled. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we move off. Yes. So, you have several things you can do here. Uh, there are the qualifiers. Yep. Um, you can go spying around and gathering information and finding out who's entering what and who all these people are and what the hell's going on. Yeah. Uh, you can go ask Tristan what the Zudiger's picnic is that you're supposed to be attempting to win. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to go uh, up. You have several hours in the morning, like Caleb will be obliged to go and do a joust. Yeah. But... Um, so I want to go ask Tristan about Zadiger's picnic. Okay. So you go ask Tristan about Zadiger's picnic. Oh, uh, Zadig's Picnic. It's an incredibly rare work on the Fae. Uh, it's supposed to have been written by a Pytaxian artist, oh, uh, several decades ago at least. Uh, it was quite the sensation when it was released. It's about a place in the first world known as Thousand Breaths. It's uh, a magical realm. Very little has been uncovered about it, but Zadig's Picnic is said to contain much pivotal information. And of course, uh, the churches got all upset and burned it as as offensive and um, had the book terribly oppressed. Now, admittedly, Zadiger did go uh, very, very, very mad during his journeys through Thousand Breaths, and uh, after publication, killed several people in one of Pythax's most violent and horrific murderous killing sprees only a month after the publication. But that was no reason for the book itself to suffer for this. Ah, I see. <laughs> Um, and he describes a, an exceptionally rare book, uh, which is written about in the foreword of a bit that I haven't printed in this, uh, but it is supposed to be about this guy Zadiger's efforts to go on a picnic in the woods. Yeah. And he, whereupon he disappeared into the first world and had an amazing experience that drove him completely utterly insane. Right, yeah. Um, whereupon he came back, wrote it all down, and then went off as fucking Gord and killed a bunch of people, at which yeah. point they executed him, and the churches burned the book as being offensive to the true nature of the gods, and um, 
basically hunted down a variety of copies, it's now accordingly exceptionally rare. Yes. And one of the few pieces of accurate information on the first world. Yeah. Uh, Tristan would flag it as being worth 10,000 gold without blinking, probably twice that if you could find a sufficiently motivated buyer. Yeah. And he wants it, precious. He says, we, we have to win this tournament. It's not just about national pride now, it's about something important, not just sports. There's, there's information on the line. <laughs> well... Oh, fortunately, you're competing in a bunch of the events. I know you were going to give it your all anyway, but you're, um, you've got some extra motivation now. And I promise you I'll do my best as well. So that's the grand prize, and he wants it. Yes. I kind of want it too. It's, it sounds like a useful thing to have around. I want Tristram to read it, not me, perchance, but... Okay. And... So that's that? Yes. Um, so yeah, if there's time before the joust, if I've got a couple of hours before the joust, then I would like to do a bit of poking around. Yeah. Um, what do you want to look at specifically? Who's entering what, where and when, that sort of thing? Um, no, I want more general information. Okay. Um, what I'm looking for is, um, I want to pick up more information on... Let's say Uruvesi to start off. Yep. Actually, no, wait, no, that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is go and try and track down Gregory at a time when he's on his own. You can endeavour to do so. Um, well, that's, you, what, that's what I want to do most. Can you give me a gather information check? You can use Michaela's, which is a plus 15 if you so choose. Yeah, I'll bring definitely bring her along for yep. this one. You're going to ask excuse me, we're looking for a man, you know, yay weight, yay height. Yeah, All right. So she gets uh, twenty-four. Okay. So you you go and uh, she goes and asks around a few of you know Grolton's people as people who are unaffiliated with him and you know, and they oh yes yeah, certainly I'm I'm surprised you haven't met uh, Fort Draylove's grand diplomat. Ah. <laughs> uh, he he is apparently Fort Draylove's diplomat. How and thus is freely available for you to meet. He could theoretically turn you down, but yeah. um, his his literal job is to interface with you, so yeah. going and talking to him shouldn't be any difficulty at all if you so desire. Yeah, so I'm looking for... I'm not really trying to catch him absolutely on his own in the sense of not having any bodyguards yeah, so I can you're, stab him. You're extremely unlikely to do that, both on general principles and the fact that Grigory himself is unlikely to allow that. But what I'm looking for is... If he's got people around, it's just guards. He doesn't yes. have other other yes, members. You can of... obtain a meeting with him fairly yep. easily in that regard. Uh, and he sits in his Drelithian tent and looks kind of slightly nervous when you come in. And he says, "Ah, Your Majesty, King Caelan of Stagthorn, uh, what what can I do for you in my official role as Grand Diplomat of Fort Drelith here to interface with Stagthorn for all of its needs?" I. I just wanted to um I just wanted to have a friendly chat. After all, it's been a while since we've seen each other. Of course. We're both here under the diplomatic immunity of the Rushlight Tournament in neutral territory to, to talk through the relationships between our kingdoms. Yeah. So um how long have you had your post? Oh, uh several months now. Ah. Uh, so you weren't in this capacity when you visited Stagthorn in the past then? Uh, not at that particular time, although I've always had a strong interest in the goings on of Fort Draylev. King Draylev and his wife are such interesting people, don't you think? Aye, definitely. 
And, and their own people have such a unique and colourful opinion of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they do. In recent times, Fort Drelith has found itself in need of a man gifted with crowds to ensure that his own people are receiving the correct information and not being influenced by outside foreign rumours. I can understand that. It seems it's being a very difficult time for Fort Drelith, and I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to the kingdom. And of course, almost as a... um, as a member of the Royal Council, we occupy a privileged position and are a man of some import. Of course. I'm here to serve my king most humbly, uh, King King Hanastrelev. What I do is on his orders. <laughs> is, can I get a sense motive check on that? Uh, you don't need one. He's not endeavouring to make it very subtle. Are you welcome to get a sense motive check to read beyond what he's yeah. telling you? Yes, I would like one just generally. That's a 23. Okay, so you will pick up from him. He's nervous around you yeah. in particular. Um, yeah. He doesn't really think you're going to throw down and decapitate him with a great sword right here in this tent. But the possibility that you might is <laughs> occupying part of his mind. Yeah. Um, he is openly, more, more or less openly telling you in not so many words that he wouldn't be here on his own volition. He is here because Drelift has told him to. Right, yeah. Any other things that he does during the duration of this tournament are also because Drelift told him to. Yeah. Is what he is endeavouring to hint ah, to. Ah, right, yes. Because um, the last time I found out he wasn't actually working for Drelift. No, he, 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 had, he had come from Fort no. Drelift, but the they he... were actually the patsies for Pytax who had sent him. Which is you, you track down this relatively difficult bit of information to get. He was a rebel rouser sent by Pytax, but the backup was to frame Drelev for it. Yeah, whereas now he appears to be really working for Drelev. Yes. Although, whether that's true about what they say about Drelev, or that he is a patsy for Pytax, uh, or that Gregory's playing him, which would certainly be conceivable. Uh, and secondly, you will pick... That, that's what he is openly endeavouring to communicate to Caelan. Yeah. Um... And secondly, you will pick up that Grigory is also totally playing his own games here. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll absolutely be doing some shit here on behalf of the, um, to, on, on behalf of Drelev. You also think there is more behind that, and you can expect him to act in the best interests of Grigory at all times. Yeah. You know, whatever other games are going on, if it doesn't serve Grigory to do it, he's yeah. not going to. Or it doesn't serve him more than it doesn't. Obviously, the um, this tournament is going to um, be a matter for people to serve any number of political ends, and as long as it's all's fair and politics, as they say, I'm sure there won't be a problem. I'm certain, as you say, all's fair in politics, love, war, that kind of thing. Well, it was good seeing you again. Yes, uh, you you must be due for some some jousting. That seems up your alley. Yes, <laughs> I wouldn't want to hold you up. And um, as Kalen stand, stands up, he will um, just he sort of stands up and walks away, and then he turns around and just gives Gregory this look, and it's just you watch yourself. I, well, 
I shall look forward to seeing you later in the tournament. I, he, he flinches slightly away from it. I, I imagine that you yourself are not much of a boaster, but I have some um, words prepared for me. And again, you get the message that he's trying to send you here. Uh, here is Dreadlove's entrant into the boasting. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, he didn't necessarily write his own speech. Ah. Uh, well, I'm sure it'll be worth listening to. Okay. Right. If that was a poor move on Trailer's part, I'm sure what Gregory would have written would have been better. Do you want to go out for a jousting um, contest? Uh, yes, but possibly not. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't imagine this will take overly long. This okay. is you qualifying against a mook. Cool, okay, so, then let's do that. I mean, a, a decent quality mook. Yeah, but... yeah. Okay, so you go out for the jousting qualifiers, and there will be one of these going on at any given point, but they've got the jousting field set up, the big, long racing area where you race towards each other, you lean over the over the little fence, and you hit each other with... You've seen a million joust movies. Yeah, yeah. How this works. Um, so the way this works is you are obliged to win your qualifier to actually get in. It is relatively expected that you will win. Yeah. In the absence of you doing so, then some of the qualifier, the best qualifier will get a go. Yep. Um, and during this, Kaylin can actually step around and watch the rest of the qualifiers if he wants to and see who's getting in where. Yeah. Um, you would need to give up some time for that, but it will automatically tell you who's entering the jail. That sounds like something Kalen would do, so okay. I think... But yes. we might as well first resolve where, Ka- where Kalen is entering. Yep. Um, so, jousting rules. Uh, you are up against a knight from Grolton. Oh, okay. Um, who is Sir such and such. Yep. Um, Sir Tremius. Yep. Sir Tremius of Grolton. Yep. Um, and... You've, uh, the jousting rules are explained to you, and you are obliged to face off against him. Basically, your horses sit at opposite ends of the joust. At the, at the bugle, you ride towards each other as fast as possible. You endeavour to knock the other guy off his horse. Uh, if you unhorse him, you win. If he yep. unhorses you, he wins. If you both unhorse each other at the same time, then um, you, fight a you, you fight a duel with yep. swords until one of you is knocked down. Um... The way this works, in yep. terms of the rules-wise. So the first thing you do is do your little parade thing where you ride past each other and either perform for the crowd's entertainment or just intimidate the shit out of the guy you're up against. Yep. So the first step in your joust is the challenge phase. You make opposed, intimidate, or perform checks. Uh, much like the Ruby Phoenix tournament, the crowd favours whoever wins these, giving you a bonus on your ride and your attack. Excellent. So we can, in fact, start there. Yep, okay, let's do that. So you ride past Sir Tremius, and I, he will be sort of waving to the crowd and turning his mailed hand like this. Kellen will stick him personally with a look, suggesting yep. that he's, you know, may not entirely have understood the fact that he's not supposed to kill the guy. <laughs> and then make a straight intimidate check. Yep. Alright. I'm going to say difficulty of 10. 
Okay, that is a 16. Okay, so Sir Trimius will quail slightly under your gaze. Yeah. Kaylin, um, he's will not prepared to throw down with the guy who just beat Rastaline. Yeah, well also, um, Kaylin had a conversation with Gregory this morning, so he puts extra murder into his murderous. So on all your ride checks here, and on all your attack rolls, you gain a plus two. Okay, cool. Um, uh, this should have happened before the challenge phase, but no matter. Um, so, when you go into a joust, everyone is charging all the time. Yeah. So you have your plus two to hit, minus two to AC, and um, damage and etc, etc. Um, your two choices when you go in, uh, you are given a basic masterwork lance. Yeah. You are not allowed to use your own one, so yep. super magic powers do not avail you. Although my if all you have is a masterwork lance, lance, then that's fine. Yeah. They will still trade you out. That's fine, but, it, but I can use the stats of my masterwork lance because it's just a masterwork lance. Um, you are permitted to wear your own armor, yeah. because that's very distinctive and heraldic and all the rest of it. And then you have your choice of you can have a shield, which will provide you with a higher AC, or you can double-hand your lance, which will provide you with extra damage. I picked double-handing my lance. I imagine you would, but um, the option is there at yep. every joust to make that choice when it starts. So then what you get is you ride down the edge of the field, and the bugles blow, and the two of you begin to ride towards each other. And what happens here is you pick a difficulty for your ride check um, from DC 10 all the way up to DC 40. And I provided you with a sheet somewhere. This, which is what I'm telling you. Okay, that's helpful. Um, And depending on what check you pick, you get increasing bonuses to your AC, your to hit, and your damage. Yeah. So the better you ride, the vastly better at jousting you get. Um, Fail a check by five... And you lose your solid seat, you take a penalty to your AC, you make it easier to hit you. If you fail a check by 10, you fall off your horse and automatically lose. Yeah. So at the most basic DC 10 ride check, you could only fail that and unhorse yourself if you were spectacularly incompetent. You would need negative dexterity yeah. and no ranks in ride to achieve that. Yeah. At which point you really shouldn't be jousting at this level. Yeah. Um, so you pick your ride difficulty, you make it. And then you take a swing at the other guy, and he takes a swing at you. Um, I believe this is simultaneous, but let me just double check that. Uh, uh, no, it's not simultaneous. This is done by initiative. So yep. one of you swings slightly faster than the other one. Yep. Um, if you get, if he misses you, he hits your AC. That's that's it. He doesn't unhorse you. He rides on. Yep. Um, and you hit him well, a second later. And if you don't unhorse him, then you ride around and have another go. Yep. Um, these lances are designed to break spectacularly when you hit them. So you ride down, ride down to the end and pick up a new one. Uh, if you get hit, you have a check of a difficulty of fifteen plus damage you have been dealt. Yep. Um, no, sorry, that is me. Watching it, there's supposed to be 10 plus damage you have dealt, been dealt. So 10 plus, 10 plus yep. damage. Uh, then you make that ride check. If you fail it, you fall off your horse. Yep. If you don't fail it, then you simply get damaged and continue to ride. The lance splinters over you, you hold your shoulder, you go ouch, and you ride around for another go. Yep. Uh, if you get knocked down to half your HP, all your difficulties go up. Yep. Um, of your... 
feats that you have. Spirited yep. Charge gives you triple damage, which makes their ride checks vastly harder. Yep. Um, mounted Combat allows you to use ride in place of your AC once per joust, not right. once per clank. Right. So they work differently here on jousting rules, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ride by Attack gives you a plus two to all ride checks for each round of joust that has gone by. So the longer you go, the better you get. Okay. That's right down the bottom, all three of them. Yeah, it's um, just that the um, some of them haven't actually printed out successfully. Ah, uh, haven't they? My apologies, the ink must be running out. Yep. Yeah. Obviously time for new ink then. Yeah, Ride by Attack didn't really print out. Yeah. So ride by Attack adds an increasing plus two to all ride checks for each round. Plus two on the first, four on the second, etc. Sweet. So all three of them will avail you spectacularly well. Yep. Excellent. Okay, and we begin my rolling for initiative? Uh... Uh, no, initiative is just before you hit them. Oh, okay. You begin by rolling a ride check. Because yeah, you'll, initi- you'll be doing initiative every round of joust. Yeah. Alright, um, I am going to select a DC 25 ride check. Yep. And Sir Tremius, not quite as confident, is going to go for a nice easy 15. Yep. Which he succeeds on comfortably. As do I. Okay. With my plus two to ride that I have because of the, um... Because of the intimidate, I, I need a five or worse to fail that. Then there's the ding 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 as you ride down towards each other in the crowd. Ah, and roll for initiative. Yep. Nine. Sorry, eight. Uh, that is him by an opposed check. Plus two initiative modifier versus your plus nothing. Plus nothing, yep. yep. eight, so he hits first. Okay, so he is at plus one to AC, and plus one to his AC, plus one to his damage, and no bonus to his hit. Yep. And he rides down towards you, and his lance will shatter across you. In fact, no, at that difficulty. Uh, he swings his lance at you and misses you clean. Yep. Then I... You get a shot back. Yep. Uh, so... I know he hasn't hit 20 AC, so he's well under your AC plus three and everything else, so yep. I'm not asking... So you're at plus two to hit for riding. Yep. For your DC 25 ride check. Plus three, plus three to AC. Oh, plus sorry. three to AC. Oh, plus two to hit, yep. Plus two to hit, plus oh. five to damage. Yep. Then you're at another two to hit for your challenge. Yep. And another two because you are charging. Yep. So He's I'm charging as well, he just did spectacularly poorly. Yep, well. so, I've got, so I've got a plus six to hit. Correct. And it's a regular lance attack. It is a regular lance attack. Okay. Uh, that's a... 29 plus 6. Okay, so the lance splinters across him as you charge him down at high speed, and we see if he goes flying off his horse. So you roll your damage here. Yep. Uh, It is 1d8 plus strength, I believe. Yep, so because I'm... Because you're double-handing. 1d8 plus strength and a half. Yep. So it's a d8 plus 7 times 3. Times 3. And I've got a bonus to damage as well. Yep. So um, I've got... That is not modified by the... um, Times three. And tripling. Yeah, okay, so I have a t- plus five damage that I add at the end. Yeah. Okay, so it is DH. Yep, straightforward. Okay. Okay. This is not going to be good for Travis. Um, so that's a 15. Um, times three is. It's 35. Uh, yeah. 15 times three. Oh, it's 45, sorry. 45 plus five is a straight 50 points of damage. 
I make that. Right. At uh, which point he needs to make a DC 60 ride check. Yeah. Um, which he fails, unsurprisingly. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you ride down, you hit him with the lance. Yeah. It splinters, and he goes foof off the back of his horse and funk into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Most people wear full plate and things here to get their AC up as yeah. high as possible. His, was, his AC is actually perfectly fine. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he is nowhere near the level of rider you are. Yeah. The lance explodes, he goes flying off the back of his horse and hits the ground, and the winner, King Caelan of Stagthorn, right, yeah, go to the ground. The... And you qualify. Yes. Unsurprisingly. Uh, you may enter yourself in slot number four. Okay. Uh, where people sit in the tournament is not announced until you get to the last one. Yeah. Um... People clap, but no one is overly surprised. Yeah, you're yeah. expecting you to win this one, uh, and then you see who else is jousting and who else qualifies here. Yes. Okay, so in no particular order, yep. you watch people. You don't need to write these down because I've got them where they are in their brackets. Oh, okay. And you won't find out unless you explicitly go hunting. Okay. Or right. um, you merely get who else is competing. Okay, then I'll just put them next. To, uh, I'll just put them a, a generic list of them down here, just so yep. I have the information. Uh, representing Fort Drelev is Kundal. Cool. And he qualifies? He qualifies. Yeah, these are all the guys that qualify. Okay, sweet. They'll be taking up the other seven slots. Okay. Can um, you tell me if anyone interesting plays but doesn't qualify? Uh, nobody Nobody interesting plays but doesn't qualify. Okay, no problem. Okay, Kundal? Uh, Kundal from Dre- Fort Drelev. Uh, Eugenia Varadu from Dagamark. Oh, cool. She just appears to pretty easily... You know, unhorse the guy despite her frail frame. Caelan of Stagthorn. Uh, Rasseline of Mivon. Excellent. Um, sort of salutes you vaguely as she rides off. Yeah. See you again. Uh, uh, a man of... Doesn't introduce himself as Sir Anything. Ord of Grolton. Ord of Grolton. Uh, the Iron Juggernaut, Villamore Koth of Pytax. <laughs> who is, of course, the giant guy in the clockwork armor. Yeah, now him I might get a little worried about jousting. Uh, the True Knight of Thorn wins his match with Relative Ease. Yeah, I sort of thought he might. Somehow I have this feeling I'll be fighting him. Uh, and that is all seven kingdoms that are in it represented. Right, yep. Leaving one extra slot. Which there will be some debate around. Yeah. Uh, and you will later find is a man named Sir Partod. Which I can spell for you if you so desire. It's no. Part O-D. Yeah. Sweet. Um, who is from Dagamark. Cool. But I don't imagine I should get to And basically Dagamark is not permitted to entrance um, by their choice. Yeah. But that slot would go to Brevoy and another slot would be open to the best qualifier is how it's traditionally worked. Yeah. But the True Knight of Thorns has shown up and taken one of them. Yeah, so this and one. And he, he is voted the best of the qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, he lost to... Um, let's see who he lost to. Uh, he lost to the True Knight of Thorns. Ah, nice. But, if you consider... but lost well. Yeah. So. so, obviously the odds are against them, but what would happen out of interest if a... Um, 
if a randomly selected spare knight got all the way to the final. Uh, he still has to represent a kingdom, in this right. case Daggermark. Right. So he would win it on Daggermark's behalf. Right. And would doubtlessly have the crap fetted out of him by his very apologetic kingdom, who totally should have put him forward instead of Eugene of Varadu. Yeah, yeah. But it seems, I, I expect him to get knocked out in the next round. That it's, it's almost universally what happens. Yeah. Some qualifiers have made it to the semis. I think one or two in history have made it to the finals. Yeah. No, no one who is not a champion has ever won it. Because it's generally considered a poor sign on their kingdom. Their selection processes are obviously very poor if they've missed the fact that one of their best jousters is, um, yeah. mm-hmm. is there, but they haven't picked him. So um, I'm going to um, I'm going to call out. By all means. The um. Obviously, I'm not rolling out through each thing. The brackets no, no. are pretty done. But uh, um, my guess is that the um, the um, actually that's only. You will have three matches, assuming you win everything. Yeah. So um, my pick for the final contenders is that they will contain in some of is Eugenia Veridou, Rastley, and the Iron Juggernaut, and the True Knight of Thorns. Are the, the four bracket holders. That assumes I don't, but one of those is going to have to go down so I can make it through, assuming I do. Correct. But, uh, that, my guess is that we will see no more of Kundal, Order of Grelton, and Sir Partod after the qualifiers. So that is the, um, that is the qualifiers for the joust. Yeah. Um, what happens now is that's all that happens with it. And on day three, you have round one in the morning. Yeah. And then rounds two and three in the evening. Yep. And the third and fourth place playoff in the evening as well, just yeah. before the first and second. Um... Yep. All right. Okay. And that is your joust. Yes. So, yes, as you can see, if you're really strong and you can hit people really hard with your spirited charge, they tend to go flying unless they're really awesome riders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, on the other hand, it can be bloody hard to hit someone who's got five to AC and ten to hit you. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I imagine the um, with my times three, I imagine the key aspect is going to be who um, who can dodge, who, who can, who can, who can kill and hit in the first place. I'll be impressed if anyone, he, with the possible exception of the Iron Juggernaut, I'll be impressed if anyone he hits manages to stay in the saddle. I am actually genuinely worried about fighting the Iron Juggernaut. He he looks difficult. Well, to be honest, at the amount of damage you've done to the guy, like, you've just immediately KO'd Patod. He yeah. doesn't stay in the horse. He just flies off and passes out instantly from that as you knock him to zero hit points. Yeah, yeah. Forget about the ride check. He's unconscious to start with. Yeah. The, um, this is definitely giving me flashbacks to, um, the, um... One of the um, Tortoise series is got is very very jousting heavy, and there's this one guy who sends everybody flying, and that's who I feel like right now. <laughs> uh, and as the morning goes on, um, you will see the True Knight of Thorns goes around and ensures that the protocol is done, so his team his team yeah. team First World are signed up for everything. No more people appear, however. It's just going to be him and that other guy. It's him and his buddy in a cloak, um, who, because he will have to identify himself, you can trivially find this out as soon as you ask around. You don't know what he's signed up for, but he's part of the retinue. Uh, And apparently he answers the name of the Wriggling Man. Well, that's good and troubling. 
that's that's what he gives as his formal name to be listed down for the tournament. Yeah. The true knight of thorns and the wriggling man. <laughs> I kind of like the knight of thorns. I, I, his buddy I'm not so sure about. Yeah, well, keep in mind there's things like, um, you know, obviously you know the true knight of thorns can joust. Yeah, it, God I'm also it. pretty certain he's fairly human based on what I what I worked out about him last time. But God knows what he can do in the ilk of archery, the caster's ball, the boulder challenge, the log chopping, the yeah, roasting, etc., etc. And if they don't enter some of these events, their chances of winning the tournament are catastrophically uh, poor. Even if he's the best jouster in the entire universe, and if that's only the only t- thing they enter and win. And then they're just going to get spanked, because it's only twice the points of anything else. I yeah. mean, that, if he wins, that's like six points, but yeah. that's not going to be enough. It, it is actually, the jousters ranged in such a fashion that it is theoretically possible. The likeliest outcome is whoever wins the joust wins the, wins the Rushlight tournament, but yeah. that's not a given. Yeah. And it is theoretically possible he could win just the joust and the tournament, but that would require everyone else to spread the points. Very, very, very evenly. Yeah, yeah. so at that point it's completely out of his control. It's just about who else wins and loses. Yeah. And that is the Rushlight Tournament. Mm. The beginning of day one. The yes. fair is underway. Do you want to leave it there? I do want to leave it there. What shall happen when we come to the archery? Dum, dum, dum.